stay here if you want, or you can be released to go. Um, let's go into something I, I think is going to be major for the next move I want to do for the house. And that is sustaining who believes truth, who believes in God's truth to be powerful and life-changing. Absolutely. It's powerful. And so what I know is this. We as people of God have got to, have got to preserve it, we've got to receive it, and we've got to keep it. And so what I'd like to do is talk about this, an atmosphere of truth. What would that look like? What would an atmosphere of truth look like? If we talk about the house of God right here, what kind of things do you think must happen in God's house to tell everyone in this place that God is truth? Jesus say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. What would that look like? One thing I would say is answer prayer. That, that prayer would come, it would be a house of prayer, and prayer needs would be met, and people would see the awesome power of God manifested through the people's prayers. I would think that's one way. Give me some more, all of you. Ch chime in here. What would be another atmosphere of truth? I hear, love. Absolutely, who said it? Over here. Love. There is a distinctive love. Which Bible says, if you were my disciple, you can tell by the way you love one another. There is a genuine love. If you come into this house and you feel love from somebody, or you feel welcomed, you feel something special, something like family, then you're experiencing an atmosphere of truth. Because what? God is love. Tell me another one. Who else has, what would you, what would you expect if you came into the church? Salvation. Salvation. Absolutely. We know that Jesus died on the cross for us to be saved. So if there's a church, there should be people coming to know Christ in a brand new way. Absolutely. Because what? Salvation is in Christ Jesus, right? So we know that's truth. So people should come to this church and they should find Jesus, right? That's an atmosphere of truth. Tell me another one. Forgiveness. Absolutely forgiveness. That means there shouldn't be any animosity about each other. The Bible says even this. If I were to come into this church and I wanted to worship him and I wanted to come up front to worship him, he says, wait, wait, wait. Do you, have, do you know if someone has something against you? Go make it right first. Keep your sacrifice down here because that's acceptable. But what you're sacrificing first, here's what I need you to do first. Before that's acceptable to me, before I'll receive it, you go make it right with somebody. There's an attitude of forgiveness. That means we can't come into the house of worship, worship him, and think we're really sacrificing to him if we know that someone has something against us. We've got to go and make it right. Even if you're right. We've got to go and make it right. That is truth. That's an atmosphere of truth. There's some more over here. Give me another one. The word of God must be preached. Because signs and wonders will follow the word proclaimed, right? That means we want to see God in great ways. We must declare his truth, his word. Absolutely. The word of God has got to be taught. Must be taught. Truth must exist. That's very good. Another one. What would you say? Healing and deliverance. He gave us the ministry of that. You will well, cast out demons. You will raise the dead. You shall make Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That means if he said he's going to do it, he will do it through who? Us. That means you want to come to a church and experience what God says he will do. Right? That's an atmosphere of truth. Truth. And I know there's more, right? So do we get the idea that when we come to church, it is not just to say, hey, 
I know I feel good here. I know I, I have friends here. Coffee's good, music. And, but we can't just come to church just for that. We have got to experience an atmosphere of truth. There's got to be something that happens in us. Because what? Faith comes by hearing. By hearing what? The word of God. Truth. And so there's a change that goes on. Every time you read God's word, something happens inside of you that must change. None of us has reached the pedestal. He says he will continue the good work in us until the day of completion, which is going home with him. So we know all of us need it. So we need to come and learn from God's word and change to more like Jesus. How many believe, believe that's happening here? I, I'm just, I'm just going to put that on the spot right now. Because you know what? I want to be accountable to truth. I can preach truth and just, and just assume in my preaching of truth that truth has remained here. That would be wrong, wouldn't it? I would do everything that I can to live out what Jesus says is true in his promises of the Father. That means, are they happening here? Has there been healings in the house? Has, has answered prayers been happening? Have anybody felt the atmosphere of love when they came in this place? Have everybody felt welcomed and part of a family here? You see, these kinds of things must happen. It's the truth of God's word being preached, not only from this platform, but through your hearts to each other. Have you gone to somebody in need and said, you know what? God just spoke to me, and, and I have something for you today. I, I believe this is the word for you, and the word of God comes to you, and you give it to someone else. Have you fed somebody today? Are you being fed in this house today? Can you say that this house is feeding you? You see, this is important. If this house is not feeding you, then we've done something wrong. The Bible says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, of course, Jesus, you know that. He says, what? Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus asked the question, Peter, do you love me? He says, Jesus, I'm, yes, of course I do. Then feed my sheep, tend them. If you can't come to church and be tended and fed, then you need to find a different place that will. But I'm telling you one thing. I know for a fact that we need to stay close to an atmosphere of truth. We must maintain it, not only in this house, in your house, your place of employment, everywhere you go, you have a choice. Whatever you stand, you have a choice. The gospel peace upon my feet. Wherever I go, I don't take them off. So we want to take it with us. Church is receiving here and taking it with you radically. So can we talk about that today? Can we just talk about what Jesus would, if he wanted to come back right now, would he see his truth remain in this house? And then the hearts of his people. So I want to go, first of all, to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 46, 16 and 17. And I'm going to with one part of truth. I'm going to hit one part of truth today, and we're going to stay in the series. Atmosphere of truth is our series. Ezekiel says, and this is what the sovereign Lord says. Now, I don't know if the word says that. I want to hear. <laughs> I want to say, Lord, you're speaking. I want to know what it is, right? The sovereign Lord says, if the prince makes a gift from his inheritance to one of his sons... It will also belong to his descendants. It is to be their property by inheritance. That's good news. What's that mean? The inheritance of God is yours. Who likes to receive that today? Isn't that a nice... Is it, well, what does that mean? The inheritance of God, through Christ Jesus, being a son of God, is yours. Inheritance to one of his sons, it will also belong to his descendants. You and your descendants. 
I don't know about you. I, who came from a family that didn't know Jesus? You might, you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but I understand because knowing Jesus from parents is important to be trained the word of God from day one born and do a, a life of knowing who Jesus is, is crucial to stand upon the rock, right? Some of us through life have found him through other means. My means was rock bottom. I'm going to know what I'm saying. Okay. I had to go there first to know that he's real. Now, I don't want that for anybody in this house. If, you're, if that's your story, praise God he found you because he's searching for you. He's always, he's, he's, he's anxious to find the heart, right? But I know for a fact that once I found him, oh my, life is all changed. Many people know what I mean. When Jesus came into your heart, you know without question his realness, his love, his never leave me or forsake me. He is with me. And that's an inheritance on itself. If, however, he makes a gift of his, from his inheritance to one of his servants, the servant may keep it until the year of freedom. Then it will revert to the prince. What does that mean? What does sin do in our life? Sin enslaves us. What's Jesus do in our life? He sets us free. How many people here today say, I am a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. What does that mean? You have been adopted into the family of God. And whatever Jesus has inherited of the Father, he gives to his sons. He's the prince. He gives to his sons and daughters. Isn't that good news? But people, and we know them today, might be a servant mentality of God. Meaning if I just do the right things and do them just right, if I just do this, this, and if I carry on this tradition of man, if I do these things, if I serve him this way, then I will inherit. You see, that's not the case. A rightful son deserves the inheritance. A servant to the master. You know, what, what, is, what happens when a servant... Who here has employees? Who has a small business with employees. Now let me ask you a question. In those times that your employee decides not to do what you need done, what you're going to do? They're going to get, can we do it from the Donald Trump way? You're? Now you don't want to do that, right? All those who employ others would hate to do that. But you expect a certain thing. And if you are a servant, then that's not a guarantee. I have a family. Everybody have families. My children are my inheritance. The Bible says that the children learn the inheritance of the Lord. But what I build, they receive. Why? Because they're my son and daughter. They're my family. If I bring someone and do something for me, a servant, but they're not really adopted, do they receive my inheritance? No. Not unless that servant becomes a son. Not unless that servant becomes a daughter. Will they receive the inheritance that I build? So the Bible's saying this. There is an inheritance that comes, even to the point where a servant receives an inheritance in certain wage until the year of Jubilee. Wouldn't it be awesome today if, the, if we would just follow that year of Jubilee after 50 years, every debt is canceled? And that's a long time, though. It's a lot of 50 years. I can see some of us, well, I'm just going to add up the bills here. 
year of Jubilee is next year, so I'm going to go out and get that new car, get that new house, you know, and you you can't, but that's not how it goes. But Ezekiel sets a standard of son and servant. I want you to understand that today. Sons inherit forever. Even your descendants, Scotty, your sons inherit. Now, this is what's good. As a son of God, how we raise our children, how they inherit that is it's a beautiful thing. Let's go to New Testament real quick. Inheritance. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who are under the law. Who was under the law? We all were. Well, the Old Testament tells me that the, all, every, every Israelite did all that they could to follow that. As a matter of fact, scribes and Pharisees would add additional laws to the point where there's over 600 laws, and they would stand there and say, you know what? If you just do all this, you'll be like us. You will receive what all God has. You will receive the inheritance of God if you just do all of these rules. There's a, ah, no, there's 600 of them. You'll get them all right, but just try to follow us. Now, Jesus came to what? To fulfill the law. Isn't it a good thing that Jesus did come? Now we don't have to try to do the 600 things correctly. That's a slave. A slave to what? Law. Now we've been redeemed and set free by God's grace, by Jesus Christ himself. So it says here, because you are sons, God has set forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. I've got a special relationship with my kids. How many people? And there's a baby right here, right in the front row. Now, if I were to come over and torture this little child, I'd probably have four right here that would tackle me and make sure I hurt. Oh, and then the three behind. So I have seven that would take me down. That means I must treat this child with respect, with love, and with honor. Correct? So isn't it amazing how, as parents, we protect what is ours, that we honor them, that we highly esteem those in our families? Isn't it awesome that we have that connection? I, have, I love my kids, even when they're not doing the things I would like them to do. I love them. Matter of fact, today, I have to tell you, I had a good time coming to the car. Anybody, did anybody find it to be a little slippery this week, too? Did anybody go down? Let me see your hands. Ah! Hey, you put some, let's put some salt out there, right? What kind of church is this anyway? That's not love. That's hate. <laughs> yeah, just come on inside. We pray for healing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but he came out of his house today. And he was running a little bit behind. I was in the car. I had it started. And I said, come on, Jensen. Come on, we got to go. And it's funny because my kids have a thousand things to do right at the last minute. What? <laughs> but anyway, he's, he's scampering. And I already went outside, and we have these nice, we put nice rocks. Don't they look nice, honey? Rocks, they're pretty, they're leveled down, and rocks are the worst. Soft, those nice, smooth rocks. Oh, dear Betsy. When those things ice over, it looks like it's just wet. Well, today I went down, and, went, and I went, whoa, I got to tell my son, because I love him, to be careful. That's what I said. So I pull the car out, I'm in my truck, I pull out, and I put my window down, <laughs> And my, my son come running around that corner. I couldn't even get it out of my mouth. He come running around the corner, and he comes around the car, and all of a sudden, I, you know, my son's only like this tall, right? 
all of a sudden he disappears. <laughs> He's gone. And I waited. I, I, I started to count. Okay, 1,001. <laughs> Is he going to pop back up? Am I going to have to run out to him? He popped back up. <laughs> he looked at me, and I started to bust him laughing. I, I can't help it. That's what our family does. That's called love. That's, that's Martin kind of love. If you get hurt in our house, we wait to make sure you're okay. And as soon as we know you're okay, we laugh at you. This is the best feeling ever. <laughs> My wife knows. <laughs> I'm going to try to get back on the right thing here. Okay, because I'm laughing. Did you pray for him? I did too. Yeah, he got in the car. We are both laughing. and That stuff does happen. But I love my kids. Do you love your kids? What would you do for them? What would you do for your kids? Even when they make a mistake, what would you do? Why? Because they are your son and they are your daughter. God loves us in such a way. When we hand our lives over, listen to me right now. There's been enough, there's been enough law. Okay? If any, anybody's telling you you've got to do this, this, and this, and this, if you read God's word and it graciously pulls you by the hand and teaches you what he wants and you feel an uplifting in your spirit because Jesus loves me, then you're hearing truth. Okay? We, we, I'm telling you right now, do not let, do not let law come into your place of truth, your atmosphere of truth. Law's been fulfilled, which means is there things we must do? Sure. What do we, we search for Jesus with all of my heart, then I will find him. There's things for me to do. If there's sin in my life, I cut it off. My right hand caused me sin, I cut it off. We must take care of sin, absolutely. If you're deep in sin right now, you come and we will pray for you. We believe in Jesus. I believe in the redeeming power of Jesus. I believe that no matter what's going on in your life, Jesus is more powerful. I don't care what it struggled is. Jesus has already paid for it. He paid the price on the cross for every single sin from that day up till this day forward to the future. He's paid it all, and I think we've got to grab hold of that. Okay, an atmosphere of truth will set you free. Freedom is found in truth, and that's why we must maintain it. The devil will lie. He'll hold you back, and he'll take things from you. Don't let him take what you know to be true. How many people know Jesus loves you? Let me see your hand. Raise your hand if you know Jesus loves you. Okay, most powerful thing to know right now. Jesus loves you. And if you have children right now, and you would do absolutely anything for them, you have a glimpse of how much he loves you. So don't let anything pull you down. I'm telling you right now, I'll cast off those high things. In Jesus' name. Don't let them come in. They can't. There's no place for them. So let me just tell you this. This is what I feel. From both things that we read. I'll try to push on it again. Beautiful. It doesn't work. Isn't that great? Knowing your inheritance. There we go. So I guess got a message that came up now. Hang on one second. If anybody knows me, I'm a Jesus lover, I'm a Jesus freak, but I'm a tech freak too, so tech geek. So when things don't work, I kind of get angry, but I'm not going to do that today. I'm going to take real calm. Knowing your inheritance is foundational. Last week we talked about God's foundation, stepping on rock, making sure that we know we have his word as what we stand on. 
And if there's anything going on in your life, remember he said, if there's anything in your life that you're struggling with, fear, anxiety, write down God's word that says that's not and get it in your heart, right? That's standing on foundation. If you're faced with one thing today and it's fighting you, maybe it's healing, maybe it's sick, whatever it is, I want you to write it down. I want you to find God's word that says it's not true. Because what? We're going to maintain an atmosphere of truth in ourselves and in this house. So, inheritance is foundational. This is the first thing we're talking about, inheritance. Let's go into John, John 8, 31. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him. I love this. First of all, we've got to realize who it is we're talking about. We're talking about Jews that were raised up in what? The law. How many? Many of them. 600, over 630 laws. So we saw Jesus ministers to Jews that were under the law. They believed on him, which means what? They found Jesus as what? The son of God. They're finally coming to know Jesus. And Jesus says this. If you continue in my word, if you continue in my word, what should, your, what should be your place of truth? What, what is your inheritance of God? What's one of the most important inheritance of God for you? It's found in a book. It may be even on your desk. It's found in your phone if you know it digitally. It is the word. How important is the word of God? It is an inheritance of God's. And I think we've got to treat it that way. Jesus said this. He said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know what? The truth. And the truth will I want everybody to shout this out because I, I'm telling you what, an atmosphere of truth is this. When God's word says something and it means something, we must declare it because the atmosphere, faith comes by hearing. How many people feel they're set free today? Now this is, okay, the Bible says this, and the truth will make you free. It will set you free. Now here's the question. This is whether or not you are standing in an atmosphere of truth. Am I agreeing with what the word says? Or do I feel right now shackled? Is there something in your life that makes you feel a prisoner of? Can you, can you name something? See, this is the thing. When those things come upon you and you say, I'm not sure what to do here. This doesn't line up. What do I must do? If the Bible says his truth sets me free, what do I, what should, where should I go? Is there any other place I should go? Even if I go to my knees, what must come to my mind before I am set free? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What must come to my mind before I'm free? And this is, this is an issue. If I want to stand on foundational truth, that means if I want an atmosphere of truth in my house, and I want God's word delivered, even in my heart and all through my house, I want to be a light on the lampstand, I'm not putting a shade on my light. I want to brightly shine. Then what must happen in my house? My house must be free. Because I believe the word sets people free. So what do I need to do? I go to his word. I go to his word and I find a scripture that will set me free. And then I stand on that because his word says, what does his word say? And the truth of Christ, his word, will indeed set me free. That's how we know your disciples. Who wants to be a disciple of God? Absolutely. We all do. That's what we go after. Let's go on. 
John 8 says this. They answered. This is the other people. They just believed on Jesus, right? They just, they just found him and said, well, this, the, he's, he's saying things I want to hear. This, this is, they're starting to believe in Christ and what he's saying. But they're still under a law in their mind. They still have trouble. Should we eat this meat? They're still struggling with all the laws. So let me ask you a question. When you come to know Jesus, were you struggling with law? Absolutely. Are you still struggling with law? I'm sure there's things in your life. Well, I've got to do this, this, this. My, I must, and you might be right now struggling with law. I'm telling you, the truth will set you free. We are Abraham's. This is what they brought up. We are Abraham's descendants and have never yet been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we become free? How is it you're saying this, Jesus, that you, we are free? We have never been enslaved by any person. Do you see how Satan works in that? Do you see his, do you see his tactic in that reply? Do you see that tactic in that question? You see, I, I, I see that we, we come from Abraham. Jesus, you know Abraham. Isn't he the father of faith? Isn't he the one that's set first through the Israelites? Isn't that the chosen people? When you look and see, who am I going to choose? I'm going to choose this man. I'm going to take him from this land over to here. This is the people I've set up, right? We are that people. We're God's people. We're always free. Were they free? You see, that's the problem we have. We think we walk in freedom because we have entitlement. You see, I'm entitled because I'm called Abraham's seed. I'm entitled to this, so I don't have to be free. I've been free. And Jesus makes it very clear. You're not free. Freedom is found in truth, maintaining my truth. Sets a new precedent, doesn't he? Drink from my cup. Those who have ears hear. Those who can see, see. I love it. You see, does everybody understand the tactic of Satan in this? Does everybody see how he messes with the mind? There's no entitlement. Who's entitled? There's no entitlement until we have adoption. Until you are a son and daughter of the king. Until you accept Jesus into your heart, become a son and daughter of him, are you entitled to anything? And I don't want to call it entitlement. That doesn't sound right. I call it inheritance. That's a beautiful thing. Inheritance. Let's go on. John 8, 34 and 35. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, listen to me. Truly, truly. Jesus says that. He says, let me have your attention. What you ask, I'm going to reply. Truly, truly, I say to you, every, it says, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Who's he talking to? If you commit a sin, you are a slave to sin. Every one of them could identify that. As soon as they heard that, they thought, yeah, I have. I'm a slave to it. But he says this. I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a, is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains indeed forever. Now what he says this. Adoption, that's a tough thing to explain, isn't it? How do you explain that to a group of people that are desperately wanting to move forward? 
but they're moving forward on entitlement. You see, if I just do these things, if I just go to church, if I, do the, if, if I just give money to this organization, if I, if I work real hard and I do good deeds, I'm entitled. I should get there. That should be mine. And what they really don't understand is this. If you're a son, you inherit. If you're a slave, it's temporal. It can go tomorrow. I don't know about you. I want to know truth. I don't know, want to know law. I don't want to fall under the slavery of law. Even if law exposes my sin, I want set free. How many people want set free today? Okay, I'm going to ask the question again. I'm going to come up here so I can see. How many people want set free today? How many people agree today that the word of truth will set you free? Unanimous? What in today is set you free? What in today? See, the devil tries to bring you back into law. He'll try that all the time. What today has set you free? I want you to think about that. I want you to think about what we covered. Every word, let me tell you again, every word that we go into is an opportunity to be set free. Every word that we go into, and it may not even be how I explain it, okay? God's word is bigger than I am. But I want you to realize you can be set free today in what we cover. Next one, let's go eight, John 8, 36. If you, it says, so if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. Now, how many people have heard this scripture many, many times? I've heard it so many times. What the Son sets free, you're free indeed. How would you explain that? I'm open up for a conversation. Uh, how would you explain that? Anybody? If someone's, if someone's experienced, what would you, how would you explain that? It's like crickets in here. What would you say? Anybody? Don't have to earn it. Good. Anybody else? You feel a peace, as I heard over here. There's a peace attached to it. Some, you can't be... You can't, you can't, because you're free. You can't be shackled. You can't be claimed. You can't be stolen. Okay, good. Because you maintain truth. Well, give me something more. How do, you, how do you explain freedom in the land of the free? How do you explain freedom in a country that believes it's free? Because we stand on what? Human rights. The freedom of all people. Everyone deserves. You deserve human rights. You deserve the things you have. You should deserve to fight. You deserve to protest. You deserve because what? You're free. You're allowed to do all this. The Constitution says you can. You, sit, you live in a land of freedom. So how do you explain that? Just like Jesus in that moment where he's talking to men under the law and that they say we're free. Don't you see we're from Abraham? We are free. So what are you talking about? How are you going to explain to Americans freedom? Hmm? Living it out. There, there's proof in what? Living it out. What other? Freedom.
So freedom is a person by the name of Jesus. Okay, good. Anything else? How do you explain it today? Does anybody have run into this dilemma? When you're trying to talk about freedom in Christ Jesus, his word says, what Jesus has set free is free indeed. What do you think about that? Think about that. And I want to conclude with this. In the atmosphere of truth, in the atmosphere of truth, your inheritance is freedom. Yes. 